How's it going, everyone? My name is Will Holder, and I am the host of the Will Power Podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest, and his name is Wally Bressler. And Wally is actually the founder of the Trigger Sales System, and he's been seen on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox News. And on top of that, guys, he really helps entrepreneurs build new habits that break down their barriers and help them achieve massive business growth, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And guys, he also has over 40,000 coaching sessions underneath his belt, which is super impressive. And on top of that, one more thing, he's also the best-selling author of Tragic Hero. So it's an absolute honor to have him on here today. So Wally, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Thank you so much. I, I joke with people, you know, saying that I've done 40,000 one-on-one coaching calls is just my nice way of saying I'm old. That's really what it comes down to. Anyway, well, nice way of putting it. Yeah. Whether you're old or not, it's still super impressive. I appreciate so. that. So, nice. It's good to be here. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yep. And so to start off, I want to dive into your childhood a little bit. So can you kind of go back to like when you were younger and really just dive into what your childhood was like and how it helped turn you into who you are today? How it helped? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it helped a lot, but uh, it definitely was a, you know, it was, it, it's, it's why I am the way I am today. Yeah. You know, I, you know, you, you ask somebody, anybody, you ask anybody, you know, did you have a normal childhood? I mean, you know, normal is, is, uh, is very, very broad in, in, in scope and term, but, you know, I, I had a tough childhood, you know what I'm saying? It, it, you know, I'm, you know, I come from an Italian family. I don't know if you know much about Italian families, but you know, the means of communication in Italian families are food fighting and, and getting yelled at. So pretty much right. So food, you know, getting hit, smacked and yelled at. And so, you know, I, I say this and I always preface my comments this way, you know, my parents were good people. They just weren't good parents and they weren't good parents because their parents weren't good parents. You know, and so lots of hitting, lots of yelling, lots of silence. Uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, of um, what do they call that uh, when somebody you know makes its form of emotional use of silent treatment? You know, and so physical abuse. And so you know, my my parents, you know, their their you know their parents, you know, didn't know how to be great parents themselves. So my parents, you know, they were overweight. They both smoked. My dad drank. You know, what I'm saying my dad had some serious self-esteem issues because his mother was brutal to him and you know in my house the way it was in their house is food is either used as a reward or a weapon so either you got you know so literally at the ages of three four and five um i would be sent to bed without dinner for not being for not behaving well and so by the time by the time i was six i had already started a you know what has become almost a 40-year binge eating disorder you know and so uh my house weight was like 480 pounds i think somewhere around that so it's pretty bad. And, um, you know, it's funny. I, people ask me, like, you know, we go out to dinner, you have potatoes. I'm like, I really don't like potatoes. They're like, really? Like, yeah. You know, I said, like, like, not even mashed potatoes. And I remember, I, I don't remember, but I was told the story. I guess I was in three. I was sitting in my high chair and I was playing with my mashed potatoes. And my dad told me to stop playing with my mashed potatoes. And I didn't. So he scooped them all over my hand and he rubbed them all over my face and my hair. So I don't, uh, I don't like mashed potatoes. So if we, when we go out to dinner, when I see you, when I see you next month, we're not getting any mashed potatoes. So, right. So then, you know, so that, that was tough, you know, um, had weight problems for most of my life. So I was bullied through school, sixth grade, seventh grade. Um, and I was sexually abused when I was 10, um, started looking at pornography when I was 11 and, you know, started having sex when I was 12. So by the time I was 13, 14, 
you know, I did not like myself. In fact, I hated myself. I lived in fear every day, lots of anxiety issues, you know, no self-worth, no self-esteem and, uh, you know, a strong need for approval. Right. And so I, I just, uh, and it really just set me off on a path of self-destruction for the rest of my life. You know, and I just basically up until a few years ago, I just lived a life of, of, um, of self-destruction and, uh, and it's blowing everything up in my life, you know? So wow. that's kind of how, and so how does it shape me today? Um, well, I, you know, it's funny. Most people like, you know, people have like a life that goes like this, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, ups and downs. So most people start off and go, mine went, you know what I'm saying? I went down. Cause that, when I turned 14, I went from being the person who was, you know, acted upon to the person who acted upon, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I spent, you know, I basically had sex with whoever I could have sex with until I got married. And even after I got married, I cheated on my wife. Um, I'd probably blown about $5 million. You know, we grew up poor and parents never really taught me the value of money. And then I, I saw that when I had money, people paid more attention to me. So I spent money on people to get them to be my friends and to like me and to get approval from them. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I went to federal prison for a year. I, um, was doing some real estate investing in 2005 and 2006. And, um, you know, I was trying to make money, do a good job. I wasn't trying to steal any money, but at the same time, I had to accept responsibility. I was there. Money, you know, my, my partner lied on $15 million worth of mortgages. My name was on paperwork. I was looking the other way on stuff, really not paying attention the way I should have been. So, you know, I had to own that. You know, my parents died. My dad died about a year after I graduated from college. My mom died when I was 39. So both my parents had died by the time I was 40. Um, you know, and, and then I, I've ruined tons of friendships. And so I, mean, I just went on this path of self-destruction, you know, and so, which, you know, I thought would culminate with me going to prison, but really what it culminated with is that a year after I got out of prison or so, I met a woman and in prison, I'm like, no one's ever going to want to date a, you know, a convicted felon or an ex-offender. And so, um, you know, I, I just, this woman showed interest in me. I liked her super toxic relationship, but I so badly wanted to be loved and accepted. And I, I wanted to do a better job than I did with my relationship with my ex-wife that, I basically just let all the red flags go by and you know she asked her to marry me she said yes she took the engagement ring from me and um and then about know, about four and a half years she wouldn't move down here to texas to be with me so i was like that's it i'm done and then uh, i found out a few days later after i broke up with her that she actually was still married the entire time we were together wow so, yeah so she she lived in another state and so a month later i decided i was going to take my own life and so it, it literally and i didn't obviously but you know it I had to hit rock bottom, unfortunately. So how did how did it shape my life? Well, I mean, I, now that I've learned the lessons that I've learned and where all that stuff comes from and why it happens and how we can overcome it, you know, it's given me the ability to, you know, have, have one of the companies I own is to help people find out, you know, the triggers that they have that are keeping them from being successful or enjoying life or whatever, and then teaching them how to overcome that so they can enjoy the lives and businesses that they want. Yeah. So, but, so that that's kind of how it shaped me, but it, it, going through all that stuff and, and had learning lesson after lesson after lesson. You know, people people are like, oh, self-sabotage, self-sabotage. I mean, it's most times we don't even see that it's happening. So yeah. that's kind of how, how we got here. Yeah, well, I definitely uh, appreciate you sharing that. I know a lot of people My pleasure. Know, wouldn't want to talk about that kind of stuff, but, uh-huh. you know, kind of unpacking that, it's, uh-huh. it's really remarkable, all the stuff you went through and still you. you turn into today. Yeah, I appreciate you know, that. I, I want to touch on is that you mentioned you went to jail, right? I mean, you really hit. No, I went to. Problem. I didn't go to jail. I went to prison. There's a big difference. Okay, you went to prison. Yeah, jail, jail. You get out of in a couple of days, a night, two. You know, I went yeah. to. I went to federal prison. Like, you know, not. I didn't go to like a supermax or you know. I went to a camp. So, 
yeah. on on the prison scale it's 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 the best if you're going to go to prison it's the one to go to but it still sucks yeah yeah either way so it still sucks but yeah. so you went to prison i mean you pretty much hit rock bottom in your life and you had every reason to really just pretty much say screw life yep. you know i'm trying i mean what made you really turn the page when you hit that rock bottom and realize like there's still more that can, that can offer this world still more that can do in this world and really just have that positive mindset like i can still do better like what what made you have that switch turn on inside of you well it's uh well you know rock bottom you know not a lot of options there you know what i'm saying you can't go any lower any lower so you can stay there you can kill yourself or you can move up right and that's those are your options right you can just continue to bounce along the bottom but eventually that that won't last because you'll it'll be so painful you'll have to do something about it but I mean, I, I mean, listen, I, God had a little conversation with me on the night that I was going to take my own life. I was actually sitting right here and uh, I was looking out the window and I could see the, the garage had the light on the top. And um, I'm sitting here thinking about how I was going to take my life and what options I had available to me. And um, I'm a convicted felon, so I can't have a gun. So, you know, that was, that was, you know, not an option. Um, but so as I was sitting there, um, I was reminded of the fact that what, my, what it was like when my dad died. I was 23. My sister was 19. My brother was 17. And even though I didn't have the most outstanding relationship with my parents, you know, they provided the best they could for us. And, you know, you're with somebody for a long time and, you know, he was still a good person and, you know, how hard it was on us and how it inexplicably changed our, changed our lives forever too. And I got four kids and I just can't, uh, I couldn't do that to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, quite honestly, I'm, I'm, you know, was a coward for most of my life. And so probably, you know, I don't know that I would have gone through that anyway, but I was, I was minutes away from doing something. I know that it was really, it was like, I pretty much made the decision and, uh, you know, just was like, Hey, remember your dad, remember it was you, well, you got four kids. Do you want to do that to them? And the answer was no. Yeah. And so then I decided I was just going to fight and it was hard, horrible, yeah. but you know, and I, you know, we talk about, you know, you know, Turner Robbins talks about, you know, we do more to avoid pain than we will see pleasure, right? We'll do more to avoid pain than we will see pleasure. But the question is, is, you know, which pain are you willing to endure uh, in order to get the results you want? Like the pain of change is acute. It is powerful. It is hurtful. It is strong, right? There's lots of pain associated with, with change but it's not long lasting, right? It gets horrible. It's tough. You get fight, fight, fight. And eventually you'll get to the other side of it and then it gets better, right? Yeah. The pain of staying the same is still pain, but it's like this, you know what I'm saying? And you have spikes of, I can't take this anymore because your brain's trying to resolve the issue, but it's easier to stand, right? It's easier to put up with. And so for most people, the pain of change is, is in their mind, a lot harder to deal with than the pain of staying the same. But if you would just get into the change and work through that pain, you'd find out that event it would it would not last as long and eventually be gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. And like you mentioned, I think a lot of people stay in that comfort zone where it's mm -hmm. not difficult to change, even though it's still a little painful being uh -huh. there. Like you mentioned, they don't want to go through that big jump and mm -hmm. they it's easier after that. So yeah. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Yeah, and, and, and truth be told, I mean, I didn't start working on myself till I was 49. I'll be 55 this year. I mean, probably 1951, sorry. So like 50 years, right after my 50th birthday, uh, 2002, 2020, uh, July of, um, so I was what, uh, almost 52, right? So 51. 
So, I mean, I, it's three years, you know, I'm saying it'll be three years and it's been a hell of a lot, a lot of work and it has been horrible all, all three years, but you know, we're talking, you know, basically 45 plus years of pain and, you know, feeling amazing now after just two plus years. Yeah. You see yep. what I'm saying? Yep. You know, and that, you know, and it's, and I remember, um, you know, if you, if you're kind enough to get my book and read it, I talk about my, my, uh, my therapist, my counselor, my muse, my hero, Kelly's, you know, she really got me through all this. And, um, you know, I remember we sat down on one of our first, um, our first sessions and she goes, uh, tell me about the best day of your life. And I sat there for 10 minutes and I looked at her and I said, I don't have the best day of my life. She's like, what, what, what's the happiest day? And I'm like, I've had four kids. I mean, I've had lots of great things happen to me in my life and I couldn't think of one happy day, you know? And, and so that's, for me, that's kind of what keeps me going to help people too, is that, you know, we don't have to hit rock bottom to get the leverage we need to get the results we want. We probably have all experienced enough pain along the way, but the pain of change is so painful that, you know, we've been avoiding pain all life. The last thing we want to do is go, you know, turn up the, uh, turn up the heat on the pain and make it really hurt. Right. You know, so. Yeah. And, and like I said, a lot of people don't want to go through that change process. And I know that with your trigger sales system, you work with a lot of people like one-on-one really help them overcome some difficult things in their life. So I'm just curious when you go through that process with people, how do you really encourage people and push people to overcome that change and make the right changes in their life? The adjustments they need to make, even though, like you said, it's super difficult. You know, it's that part. It really starts with awareness, right? You gotta, you kind of look at it. And, and usually what happens is, is somebody will be watching me and we'll be having this conversation and something I will have said will have resonated with them. And, you know, your brain remembers everything you've ever tasted, touched, smelled, heard, or seen. All five senses, it remembers it all. Tasted, touched, smelled, yeah. So it's in there. And, you know, your whole life, you know, your brain's been trying to solve issues for you. And you've been pushing it down. And you, it comes back up and you push it down. And then some good things will be happening in your life. And all of a sudden, you'll take your foot off the lid of all the crap you're holding down and it starts to squeak out again. And then your self-sabotage comes, you know. And your brain's got a pretty specific job, keep you alive, keep you safe and create understanding and peace and, 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 and clarity. So when something is in your brain that is causing you danger emotionally, physiologically, even it's going to work as hard as it can to resolve that issue. So you can push it down and then it'll just come back up because eventually it's got to be dealt with. And the longer you leave it unattended to, and I'm going to answer your question, I promise, but the longer you leave it unattended to, the harder it is to deal with and it can lead to severe anxiety severe depression even ptsd and possibly suicide right because the longer it goes unattended to the, the harder it is to work with and the more your brain's going to want to deal with it okay yeah so what happens is is somebody hears something i say here or they see me or they read my book and they're like wow i, I resonate with that so and then they come to me and it takes some 10 to 15 minutes usually but usually after 15 minutes I can pretty much help somebody figure out exactly why they have call reluctance or don't want to get in front of a camera or, or, you know, whatever they need to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're an up and comer in ACN impact health, right? You're, you know, rising star, one of the most successful people your age in the organization, probably in its history. And, uh, you know, you're doing things that other people aren't going to do. Right. And so, you know, six out of every 10 people in ACN don't want to pick up the phone. They've got a, you know, severe, severe need for approval and acceptance. 
because of something that happened when they were younger that triggered their fight or flight instinct and most likely it's flight right mm-hmm. so you know what I'm saying and so what happens is is the way we get to this is you know we, we, we find out that there's some pain there and then we latch onto that pain and we go to awareness and then we're like okay what caused it and then believe it or not once they see where it's coming from like two things happen the first thing that happens is they're like oh wow i never realized it was connected to that and they're like oh wow now i've got to, you know now i've got to deal with it right but it's, it's like everything else in life you know we've got to we've got to get the awareness and we've got to use that pain as leverage and then finally give them hope that we can change it and that's how we kind of get them through the whole process you know gotcha does that make gotcha. sense yeah yeah definitely right and so that that's kind of how that happens yeah, I like that. And um, one of the things you again you mentioned is that people have a strong approval for acceptance. And I've seen that time or time again, like you mentioned, people are scared to like make a call because sometimes they fear how they're going to be judged by that person, right, or by other people once they're actually after doing there and making those calls. And so that holds a lot of people back. And I'm just curious, I because I know you have over forty thousand calls, right? I mean, you, you've got a lot of experience in this side of things, but. Why do people want to be accepted by everyone? I mean, I know I, know, I watched some of your interviews and a lot of stuff you say is that you really don't have to be accepted by yourself. You have to really love and appreciate yourself. Yeah, well, what so, is an innate nature to be approved by other people? Well, so here's the thing. I mean, I mean, biblically, right? God says, you know, we're supposed to gather and honor him and, and, and get together. And, you know, we've got the familial structure. But ideally, if you look at tribes and cavemen and, and people in history, and they always spent time together. Right to protect themselves, to build societies, to to convene and get to go. So wanting to be accepted is perfectly normal, because we've been in groups for any number of reasons for thousands of years. Okay, so it's perfectly reasonable to want to be accepted. Okay, but when you start and when when you start having like self esteem issues as a child and self worth issues and you know and let me get, again I'm going to answer your question. I just want to tie something in here. So yeah. Like if you were physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused, if you were bullied, um, if you uh, your parents fought either physically or verbally or both as, as, as when you were a kid, if they fought with you, if your parents, you know, were super strict and super mean, if your parents never fought and you never learned how to deal with confrontation, if you had alcoholic parents who weren't who were, who were not involved, if, you know, anything that was that created fear when you were a child. You either went into fight or flight mode. And for the people that are dealing with the stuff we're talking about, they're in flight mode, right? And so, but all those things, if you do your research, all that stuff creates self-worth issues, self-esteem issues, self-doubt issues, right? And literally by the time we're seven and eight years old, most of our identities about who we believe we are and what we can do are already formed. And by the time they're 12 or 13, it's it's pretty much locked and loaded. Not that it can't change, we can, but you know, nobody teaches us how to take the information that's coming in and the emotions and decide which ones are coming in and which ones aren't, right? And so what happens is, is you know, these self, these these issues of fearing things come up, and so we we avoid situations where that fear could be triggered. And so you know, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to, you know, what I'm saying, I want to be liked. But then the problem is, is we don't like ourselves, and so now we need to be liked. We need approval to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. Okay, and that's where the problem exists. Wanting to be accepted and approved and liked, perfectly reasonable. Then then tr- groups and tribes and getting together for thousands of years. But when it's a need to be approved, need to be accepted so you can feel good about yourself, that's when it becomes a problem. And, and and here's the real problem. This is the big one is that nobody can ever make you feel approved of. Right. I mean, your parents, when you're a child, their job is to build you up and, and show you that you are approved of and teach you that you only need one person's approval, not your own. Right. right? But, but, well, I mean, look, you know, I mean, you're, you're a smart kid. 
you're a good looking young man, you know, you're building a great business for yourself. You're going to be college educated in another year. Like you get the full set of dishes, you know what I'm saying? But even if I talked to you every day for 10 minutes and said all those things to you, Hey, will you're this year, this year, this year, this, if you don't believe it yourself, it doesn't matter. I can't, I can't help you feel approved of that's your job. 100%, 100%. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know? And so but that, that, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's, it's, I think it's human nature. It's in our DNA almost to, to want to be liked. Right. When we get triggered at such a young age and that trigger keeps getting triggered and we keep avoiding things and don't grow as a person emotionally and, and, and get scared and afraid and don't want to be rejected, don't want to want to be rejected or, or, or have our feelings hurt. That's when it trans transitions from a want into a need. Yeah. And that's yeah, where the, the need is where the challenge is. And that's what prevents people from doing those things because they think they're going to be judged. They think they're going to be less than. They think they're not going to be good enough. And, and you know, little, 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 little tidbit. Um, I was wondered why I never was able to be held accountable by anybody and why people don't like accountability. People want accountability until they get accountability. And then they're like, I don't want accountability. Right. right? Yeah. Call me, wake me up at six o'clock. Go to the yeah. gym. Why are you calling me? Oh, I don't want to get, no, I'm so like, I don't want to get up. But here's the thing. And this is, this is kind of a catch 22 as well. People don't want to be held accountable because they don't want to look bad. They don't want to feel like they're letting somebody's down. They don't want to feel like they're not good enough or look like they're not good enough. The catch 22 is, is you need that accountability. So you don't look bad. So you don't, so you don't let yourself, you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah. it's again, it's a self-esteem and a self-worth issue. Yeah. So those are all, yeah, those are really good points. I just want to add something else to the whole yeah. consultants thing. And this is from my experience as well, but I think a lot of people, they want to be accepted in really the wrong type of groups, right? I think a lot of people are afraid of actually doing what they truly want to do. And when that happens, they're going to be accepting the group that's more laid back just like them instead of people that were more like them, right? So, like, if you didn't go out there and actually start sharing your story, you know, become the real entrepreneur you were meant to be, then you're not going to be in that real group. You'd still be with that group of people, like, whether it's in the prison or that kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, even in college, I know it's on a much lesser scale, but it's like, it, it's like, I want to be accepted by cool kids. And, like, you should go out and you should party, you should drink every Friday, Saturday night, whatever that looks like. But if, for me, that's really make me happy, right? It makes me happy, like, going out there, building a business, becoming an entrepreneur. And once you actually start doing that, now my friend's circle has com completely changed, right? It's surrounded by people that are successful entrepreneurs that are actually going out there and doing that. And just by being in that group instead of the other friend group, I just feel more solidified as a person, like you said, and accepted yeah. to be in that yeah, group. And, 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 you know, but you're, you're, you're like, you're a three percenter. You've heard three percenters, right? They, you know, they, they act different, talk different, walk different. They achieve a lot more than the majority of the people that are out there. They'll take chances. They're pioneering, you know? couple things at play here. You've probably heard the Jim Rohn quote, you know, you're the, you're the average of the five people you spend most of the time with. Right. So, but the, the there's a book by Robert Cialdini called um, influence the power of persuasion. And he says there's six ways that we influence people. And the third way is through like or liking, which means we want to be around and do business with people that we either like or think that we are like. Yeah. How, however, if you have a strong need for approval and acceptance, you know, you're going to gravitate where you can get that the easiest. And in, in, in abundance. And even if it's like, even like people who stay in relationships with, with toxic relationships who have a, abandonment issues and need for approval and acceptance, they'd rather, and I, I consider myself one of those people because I did it for four and a half years. Um, they'd, they'd rather stay in an abusive relationship where there was occasional good time because they at least proved that somebody accepted them the way that they are. Yeah. You know, even though they really didn't. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. But it, but it takes, you know, it takes somebody. You know, with your with your advanced, you know, emotional intelligence, 
and acumen to, to realize that, hey, listen, I don't want to just be part of any one group. I want to be part of a group that helps me become the best version of who I am. Yeah. And to that point, it should come naturally, right? It's not something you should just force and it's not something that you should need just like you're talking about. So how can people get rid of that need and just let it come naturally like, over time? Because I know like you, like, you, I mean, gotta, yourself, so. you gotta work on it. You know, that's kind of what my class is about is, you know, the first part is, you know, the T, do you know who T. Harv Eker is? I do not. So you wrote a book, you wrote his stories first, like his whole first program is called The Millionaire Mind. And he, he called it T. Far Thoughts, Feelings, Actions, Results. Like we get a trigger, something triggers us, and then we get we they get this feeling and this emotion, and um, and then normally, you know, the emotion creates an action, and that action creates results. But people who have these issues and don't want to deal with their pain and all this other stuff, they'll go trigger. Mm, let's just skip this emotion. Let's eat. Let's have sex. Let's do drugs. Smoke. Let's you know procrastination. Let's be a perfectionist. You know what I'm saying? And then they don't get the result that they want. But if we would just let that emotion come up and process it and let it out and deal with that emotion, yeah. two things are going to happen. Number one, it's not going to stay inside of us and wreak more havoc. But secondarily, through neuro neuroplasticity, we're going to re we're going to reprogram our brain and we're going to teach our brain not to let those things bother us anymore. Yeah. Right. So and so that's part of it is, you know, when these feelings of insecurity, not good enough, not worthy of. They come up, we, 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 we're like, okay, there's that, that, that lack of feeling, that unworthy feeling. Let me go ahead and let it out and do it by mindfulness, either by some square breathing or listening to some mindfulness meditation. But basically not focusing on the fear of the future or the, the sadness of the past, just focusing on what's going on right now. We're basically telling our brain when that kind of crap comes up, we just don't let it in. Yeah. Okay? And even after a week, you'd be surprised at how much calmer, calmer you are. So or more, more calm, whatever. So the second part of that is you got to start changing what goes into your brain. There's a great book that I have my clients use in the classes by Hal Elrod. It's called The Miracle Morning. Okay. It basically does the outlines of morning ritual of what he calls savers. So he calls it scribing, which is journaling, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and then um, uh, a silence, which is meditation, 10 minutes of each of those. And basically by doing that every day for an hour, you're changing the input. And the journaling allows you to get that crap out and replace it with good things, right? Yeah. If I'm somebody who has a need for approval, you know, I need to have, a, you know, 10 minutes of affirmations every day in the morning. And one of those affirmations needs to be, I'm good enough just the way that I am. And I don't need anybody's approval but my own. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then saying that over and over again and, and reading books and, and looking at, at books, you know, like Brene Brown, you know, great book, um, Gifts of Imperfection. You know, the whole thing's about accepting yourself as you are that you got here the way you got here and everything that happened was supposed to happen. And whether you did it or not, the fact of the matter is, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. You know, you just you had to learn some lessons in a certain way, you know, and then getting different perspectives in your brain and just spending time doing what you need to do to get the results that you want. And so part of it is, is, is getting old, um, preventing, you know, the crap from getting in and teaching your brain not to let crappy, cruddy, miserable, disempowering feelings and thoughts in and then rewiring what's in there and filling it with good stuff and telling yourself your stuff to need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And to me, it's like, you got to treat the brain just like a muscle, right? You got to work. Yes, it's hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yes. And so you may not see the physical, you know, attributes of doing that, but your emotional intelligence will increase crazy, right? If you do that exclusively yeah. the day, just so you're talking about, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Not just your emotional intelligence, but you know, your, um, your, your emotional reactivity. Yeah. Right, what you'll get triggered by, what you will and won't get triggered by. You know what I'm saying? So yes, yeah. all that, but you're spot on. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, that'll just change your whole entire life. So mm -hmm. I love that. 
So back to your company a little bit. I mean, you've already come from so much and you've built up this company that's, you know, super successful. Obviously you've been featured on so many major mm -hmm. media outlets. I mean, what's your, what are your goals for the future of your trigger sales system? What does that look like for you, that plan? You know, my, my, my main goal is, um, is to have, you know, I work with salespeople and entrepreneurs, but I can work with anybody. But my main goal with my business is really to reach um, as many salespeople and entrepreneurs as possible and show them that they don't need to hit rock bottom in order to live the life and, and get and create the business of their dreams. Gotcha. Speaking opportunities, you know, coaching, things like that. So that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I'm sure you're definitely going to accomplish that from everything. I appreciate that. Thank so. you. Thank you. I appreciate that from your mouth, to God, from your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also curious because you've already done 40,000, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. So I'm just, want to touch on this a little bit so what has been some of the main lessons that you just learned from over this long course of time of interviewing and doing all these meetings with all these people and all these coaching sessions if you can narrow it down like a couple main points well you know it's interesting i'm, I'm glad you gave me a few points because most people say what's the one thing <laughs> like you know yeah, you it's the one, much, yeah. what's the one thing you've learned and i'm like I, you know for a while i couldn't figure it out but a month or two ago i was talking with somebody and i kind of figured it out you know the people the difference between people who are successful and the people who are unsuccessful is that successful people do the things that they need to do that they don't want to do and that they push through any fear that they have to continue to move forward. So they do the stuff that the crappy, you know, the prospecting and the follow up and, the, you know, the hard conversations. And they do all that stuff because that's where, you know, you move the needle and then they don't let their fear of failure, of rejection or whatever it is get in the way they push through it. So that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Right. Is that, you know, they take action. And they don't want the fear get in their way. Yeah, I love that. I've heard that multiple times before as well. It separates yeah. the pros and the amateurs, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and so that and that's that's the the biggest one for me. You know, repetition is the mother of skill. You know, the people that do the same thing over and over again and learn it and internalize it, you know, and get the best at it, it becomes part of who they are. It's internalized. You know, like a lot of people are like I don't want to use this script because it makes me sound robotic. It makes you sound robotic. Number one, because you have call reluctance, and number two, because you're not practicing and learning it. Yeah. You know, you can say the ABCs and sing them. You know what I'm saying? You can count to 10 and you can make it sound, you know, like poetry. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, scripts because those are just scripts per, per se. It's, it's how you internalize it, you know? And yeah. I think, I think the last thing is, is, you know, you, you know, you have to look at everything you're doing as a journey where you have to make adjustments along the way. You know, I talked to a lot of people when we put a 10 year plan together for the real estate business and they're like, what if I don't want that in 10 years? I'm like, do you want it now? They're like, yeah, great. So then let's head in that direction. And then as we keep going forward, if your taste changes, if your desire changes, if something happens, we make the change. But we at least have to start heading in a direction and doing something now. Right? right. Like it's, you know, the, the, the old, you know, they talk about when they used to plow fields back in the day in order to get straight, you know, straight rows to put, plant their vegetables or planting. They would go and tie like a red handkerchief on a tree. And then they would just focus on the red handkerchief and walk towards it so they wouldn't lose it, you know? Hmm. but along the way there were rocks would come up and you know other things would happen where they may have to work around or you know so you're going towards that but you might have to make adjustments along the way and maybe after you do a row you're like crap this isn't going to work yep but yeah you just gotta keep the end goal in mind so yeah. that's yep. important um so yeah so i love our conversation today i'm sure my audience love it as well appreciate you thank um, you so much yeah before we head off i just want to say if people want to read into your book tragic hero where can they find that book yeah so i have a podcast and a book on amazon so, I mean, the podcast is other places too, but you can get access to both of those on Amazon. Awesome. 
Spotify. So Amazon it is. Yep. And then going off that as well, if people want to reach out to you and find you, how can they actually go about doing that? Yeah, great. Thanks. And you know, as, as a thank you to you um, and a gift to your audience, uh, anybody who's watching today uh, or watching when you see this, you can go to triggersalesystem.com. You can grab a half hour on my calendar, no cost. And um, I'll sit down with you and talk with you and help you get through anything you're having troubles with. And they can that way, or you can email me at Wally at TriggerSalesSystem.com or find me on social media. That is awesome, guys. Definitely take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone, there you have it. Wally Bressler, thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate you, Will. Thanks so much.